We're back recording in the middle of the week. Uh, we had to take 48 hours after uh, cooling Nick down. We rolled him into a tub of ice water, and uh, now he is ready to deliver hot takes on the reverse retro jerseys that are appropriate for air. They wouldn't have been on Monday <laughs> night. Uh, Nick, what do you got for us? Uh, no hot take, really. I just hate that jersey so much. Like, I, I think the logo is awful. I, I didn't hate the idea of going with gray rather than white. I would have preferred... I think that jersey would have been great had they used like the current modern Leaf logo, the one that's on their primary uniforms. Um, I just I hate the, the look of that reverse retro jersey, especially considering how nice some of the other ones were. And you'd think with the Leafs, especially like with such a simplistic design of their primary uniforms, it would be hard to screw it up. But they still found a way. I don't know what you guys thought of it. The, the biggest thing for me was I really liked the the kind of late i don't know what when the exact time frame of it but i always associate it with like early in wendell clark's career which is kind of what the layout is of the like all white shoulders down to like down to the wrist i love that and like the just the blue leaf on the shoulders with no writing on it i've always really liked that jersey i know it's kind of symbolic of a shit era of the team but um just the the actual leaf itself is so bad on it it's just giant it's huge it's way oversized I the, the, I don't like that, especially because of what you said. There was something right there that should have been easy to do. But also, even on that same note, something that was right there that would be super easy to do is just to go back to that the Sundin era thirds. Like I know that it was supposed to be like a, a remix on something. You could have remixed that one. You could have taken that leaf and thrown it on the like eighties era jersey that it's currently on right now. You're right. The gray thing. People got super worked up about that. It is what it is. The Leafs are known for only being two colors, blue and white, and one of the only teams that are like that. But I don't know. Swing and a miss, and and there's so many good ones. Yeah, I I didn't mind them taking a chance on a different color with the gray, but there were a few things that like I feel they could have changed and made it okay. Like if they kind of switched the color scheme, I don't really like that blue on blue so much. And, you know, the logo is just too big. Yeah, the logo's too big, and, and the, like you said, the, the blue logo and the blue numbers on a blue jersey, it's ah, black. I, I didn't even notice the blue on blue at first, and that's part of the reason why it's so bad. Like, I that I don't know, I didn't click right away that, that that's not normal. <laughs> but, yeah, because if you look at, like, I, Adidas has, like, the uh, like classics that you can buy, like, on, I don't know, on NHL.com, or on, I'm looking at it on Sportcheck, and it's it's just that... that 80s era late 70s 80s era of the Leafs jersey which is one of my favorites and they could have like I don't know like they already made that jersey like it's it's there it's, <laughs> it could have been done uh, I don't understand it what were your guys' uh, some of your favorite of the reverse retro jerseys uh, I you know I really liked the I think that everyone likes the Kings one right that one was slick yeah um, great color yeah. scheme just yeah. really, really nice. Um, I think that was my fave. And they used like the, their best logo, in my opinion, too, like the uh, the Gretzky era logo. Yeah, best logo on the best color scheme. Absolutely, that that one was really, really slick. Um, and the other one that I really liked was the 
devils um oh yeah maybe this is because i'm a halifax uh hockey fan and it's got that moose uh the distinct moose heads um you know look to it i don't know but uh those are two of my favorites keith what about you um i love the i've referenced this probably on like every episode now but just being growing up a saint john flames fan uh we had that horse head jersey like i wore that horse head jersey in minor hockey because like all the teams in saint john were the saint john flames and we i that i love the horse head i know that's not a jersey that's looked back on fondly but i'm big fan of calgary's i love that yeah I, i see it get a lot of heat online and i i love it um but again there's there's sentimental reasons behind it i seem to see a lot of both ways on that one but what do they call the the horse what what's the name blasty blasty it's It's a terrible name (laughs) yeah that that, Uh, that one's that one's good i like um the uh uh, the Rangers one, the, the Statue of Liberty one. I like that's that's a great look. again, not necessarily a, a a new look for them or anything. Like they've done, I I think maybe the layout of the jersey is different, but that that's a, that's again, that's like a that one screams nostalgia when I look at it from when I grew up. I think the only thing they did different with the uh, Statue of Liberty jerseys was that they I think they removed the silver as one of like the the trim colors. Okay, yeah, they went back to that look. They didn't try to modernize it or bastardize it with some different logo and everyone was kind of crapping on the islanders too and making fun of uh lou lamarillo for not really allowing (laughs) anything too exciting but i i would rather go back to a nice simple looking jersey that didn't take any risks than than what the leafs ended up with i disagree i think the islanders one sucks if you did the, <laughs> yeah it's terrible I, I mean it's not that it's terrible it's just it's nothing it's like it's not that it's much different same. than what it's they just, have i i haven't done the the side by side but it just looks the same is there any difference a darker blue no it's pretty much they just went back to the different shade of blue that they wore i think in like the early 2000s i think it looks like when uh, you remember the the Leafs and Islanders playoff battles with like Steve Webb running around just taking people's heads off I think that was like the color they were wearing back well then. it says that it's the it says it's the actually it's actually the blue that the like 80s dynasty ones like the Mike Bossy Trache Clark Gillies era it's supposedly like that jersey but I Talk about some of the bad ones, though. There's definitely not a big difference between that. No, and their definitely, primaries. definitely but not. I guess my my point just was that th- you didn't necessarily have to make drastic changes to to these uniforms to come up with a nice looking reverse retro. I mean, Minnesota was one of my favorite ones, and all they did was really they took the their original jersey and basically converted it to the old North Stars color scheme. And uh, in my opinion, they should adopt that as their primary color scheme going forward. That jersey just looks awesome. I think it's even better than the the Minnesota uh, primary jerseys. Yeah, there's some there's some that should stick like for sure. Like I I really like that one. Um, The Canadians one, surprisingly, I liked a lot. And uh, yeah, I I like the Canadians one, too. I think that and I think the Senators should run with that as a third jersey just indefinitely. Oh, man, the Senators went from having like some of the ugliest yeah, uniforms yeah. in in the history of the NHL. The fucking to Roman all of a sudden, Trojan they guy. have three great looking uniforms yeah. now. Going back to their roots with like the original 2D logo and back to something cl- that more closely resembles their uh, their original sweaters and then adding the the red alternate as their reverse retro, they've got one of the nicest sets of uniforms in the league. Them and Calgary. Like, but I like, think the the 
the biggest swing and a miss with regards to like having something that people are screaming for and like the fan base has been asking for since they came in the league and then just like the Jets one's shit. Oh man. You you did it. You went to the old Jets logo. Awesome. But the colors like just, just give, just give you the, 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 just do the team Mussolini jersey. Like do that. Like, that's all. That's all everybody wants. Dog shit. It looks like that's a all anybody. It looks like if I know this is like what everybody's been saying like about them all, but it fucking looks like a Zeller's sweater. Yeah, there's such a wide range of like the the success of these jerseys. Yeah. I guess like some of them are so beautiful that they should be adopted as the team's main uniforms, and some of them I don't know. Like I know that a lot of people get a kick out of that old. Ducks jersey that they brought back for this like that is such a bad look I I would feel shame wearing that why didn't they go to the duck head I mean you think that that would have been the the call the easy call yeah but I I, I'll at least give them credit I'll at least give them credit for doing the jersey that like always gets put on like the top 10 worst jerseys of all time list like like how the Islanders didn't (sighs) have the balls to go with the captain highliner one they at least did like i don't know if it's like making fun of yourself or whatever but like i'll give them credit for doing that doesn't mean it's a good looking jersey it's shit but they at least did that jersey is definitely self-deprecating yeah exactly like they're they're having a bit of fun with it knowing how many times a year are they wearing these by the way is that even known that's a good question i don't know i didn't see anything about that but one thing i was kind of wondering to myself was um is it going to every time that these jerseys are worn is it going to be both teams wearing you have them to. or uh, i think you would have to like some of these looks would be would be even stranger like just next to a regular primary nhl uniform but what i will say is i think it's really cool that the league has kind of you know taken this leap to try and add some diversity to the to the uniform sets around the league you see it like in the nba how many alternate uniforms does each nba team have and that's been super successful i I just think it it was a logical step for the league and for adidas to take kind of branching out and trying to create something a little more interesting for fans yeah that's fine but we're getting ahead of ourselves here i want to talk about more of the ones that suck ass Um, (laughs) detroit detroit's so bad detroit oh my god because i have i have special shout outs okay detroit and dallas (laughs) what the fuck is going on there mail it in on both of those dallas dallas is another one is gonna go with the white pants and white gloves too i hate that look just go with the the, black thing i hate most about vegas coming into the league was that they normalized the white hockey gloves <laughs> like oh god it's so bad but the da- dallas had the like I, I love that they went with that era of dallas but like why the it's like it's like silver writing on gray on a white uniform like it's so bad yeah i'm not a fan of the capitals one at all I don't. I don't know. It doesn't. Just doesn't work for me. They should have went with the. They should have went with the brown. I don't know they what it is the about brown. the, the, the red. The, I I really like a lot of those red ones. Like the, even like I, Nick. I know you hate the Vegas one, but <laughs> I like that. I like the blues one. Like I. I don't know if it's just red has me like. I don't know what it is, but I, I like a lot of those red themed ones. For whatever I do. Reason. I like the blues one. What was the first year that the EA Sports games included the create a team feature? <laughs> like, because <laughs> I think that's where Vegas got the idea for that jersey. I definitely have created jerseys that look just like that. Um, <laughs> and and to the the other two, like a lot of people like the Colorado one. Um, 
what are your what's your take there because both that and the Carolina one Carolina one especially because they did they didn't change the the color scheme like Colorado at least kind of tried to do something a little different with the Nordiques logo and the Avs colors but it just feels like such a such a shot doesn't it like a yeah and I, I don't know I I could be mistaken here but I think that I recall hearing an interview with Ray Ferraro one time and he was being asked about Carolina wearing the old Hartford colors and logo. And I don't think that the old Hartford guys are a big fan. Oh, of they it. hate it. Yeah. 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 yeah, they hate it. Too. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, just picture being a fan from Hartford and, and losing your team and then just seeing another city trot out your, your colors and logo two decades the city later that stole your team from you too like it's not even like yeah, a and, team and they're profiting yeah. off of it too <laughs> yeah and didn't they just come out with like a jersey that's very similar to this um you know it, it's like it's they're doubling up on the uh hartford theme and yeah they already had like a throwback yeah, they've worn they, it on the ice where they wore the hartford jersey and yeah like you said they're kind of doubling down on it here which it almost makes it a double down gut punch. I feel like for those teams, what I would have liked to see them do is almost like create something new and reimagine. Like if we were around in the seventies, here's what our logo would have looked like. Like, wouldn't that have been way too innovative for an NHL team to go ahead and actually do, but would have been fun. (laughs) That's a really cool idea. I think that would have been, that would have been really interesting for some of these newer teams that, you know, how many teams have joined the league since the early nineties, even if say, if they went to, create a jersey the san jose sharks of the 1970s I, i'd be up for seeing that yeah, and so we get this colorado one which looks like when you're like fighting a video game boss and he like uh eats your uh combat partner and then takes over his abilities and uses them against <laughs> you that's what this fucking colorado jersey reminds me i of. didn't I don't know, know if i i don't i still sense. don't know how i feel about the colorado one i because like I at least like that they changed the the color. Like I think that if they'd have just gone with that like blue Nordique jersey, it would like would like really like the way that like the the, the Whalers did, did or the the Hurricanes just took the Whalers jersey. At least they they implemented their their color scheme in it. But yeah. I still yeah I don't know I'm undecided on that one. I. I I, I'll have to see Both it on the, the jerseys the look but it's the thought behind it like that. I don't I don't know because yeah. like also there's a flip side to the conversation too where it's like. You're, you grew up a diehard Nordique fan. Maybe it's just cool to see the Nordique logo again, like being used on the ice. Maybe maybe yeah. there's like an element of that to it. Um, obviously, it didn't go. It didn't go I'm that sure way it with. Goes it, both yeah, ways. it didn't go that way with Whaler Knight uh, that Carolina had. But like, obviously, there was some some not so good emotions there. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. But I I will at least applaud the NHL for doing something relatively interesting for a league that gets slagged a lot and rightfully so for being boring as fuck it they at least did something yeah something that we're we're talking about in the offseason that's of note yeah it's a little bit of buzz exactly at a time that they definitely needed it too and a league that's not great at generating their own buzz but I, i i do have to reserve a final fuck you for the chicago blackhawks because like here we are in 2020 with everything that's gone on, especially in the last few months. 
and you are just going to roll the Chief Blackhawk logo back out there. Not only roll it out, but was it redesigned? They, they don't even have the guts to show it in their promo uh, other than like a quick flash in the video. And it's it like kind of looks like they redesigned it unless it's an old design. But either way, like you couldn't have rethought that, that one at this point in time. I fully expected it to be like yeah a different logo on it like something that they haven't used before as a as a way to maybe ease into a a future logo change but even on even on the nhl.com website right now i'm looking at them and every other every other pitcher's head on it's like the shoulder and you can only make out like a very small amount of the logo but it is it is so fucking embarrassing yeah like like you know you're doing something wrong when you have to frame it that way exactly and it's like you would think that they would take this opportunity to like trial balloon like one of those like feather options or there have been so many like you know interesting redesigns out there the the one with the eagle head and the headdress on it looks awesome like i don't know why they wouldn't go with that logo and not to speak for native american people or anyone who might be offended by the Blackhawks name and or logo but it it seems like that is a way to still honor the story of of Blackhawk without offending an entire group of people I don't know like I said I don't want to speak for that group of people but it would definitely be progress from from what they're trotting out there right now in my the 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 mock-up that was going around there in the summer that had the the eagle head i think seemed to be like relatively well received and it was right around the time of that that athletic article too that was really good read i was going to uh, reference that actually because it, it, it could be for someone who hasn't really paid too much attention to that specific situation it could be easy to think of it in the same way as the uh, washington football team Name, uh, former name and like the the Cleveland baseball team and their logo, yeah. but there is a little bit more to the Chicago Blackhawks. It's a bit more nuanced around yeah. their logo. Yeah. It's definitely a bit more nuanced, and there is support for it as well as opposition to it from uh, different people of, of Native American descent. So that one isn't so cut and dry um, as the Washington football team one was. and But to Cameron's point, this definitely would have been a, a prime perfect opportunity to, for a yeah, trial perfect run. Perfect time to to ease into it yeah it's not an out and out slur but when you know you're not even showing the logo in your promotional stuff like you're trying to sell these right (laughs) and that's your biggest selling point and if you've already you've already conceded that battle basically right yeah yeah well maybe the leafs shouldn't have showed the logo to theirs i was much more excited (laughs) when i only saw that like animated like little back of the jersey then when it dropped <laughs> fuck it's bad I'm yeah well, we, we were so primed up for that um like, like you were talking about keith what they call it the ballard yeah the that's leaf, that's the, ballard the leaf, right? i love that fucking jersey man that's i don't yeah it's, it's like the first it because i don't even they wouldn't even have used that in my like time frame of like the first jersey i remember would be like the doug gilmore era like 93 ones but like like we're instant like remember seeing live but like i think it's just because when you're when I was a kid, like getting learning about the history of the lease and stuff, that was kind of the jersey that you saw a lot. Yeah. 
it's that jersey all like that jersey to me is just wendell clark gloves never on yeah exactly <laughs> and and hel- helmet never like on. That, I, I, you know that's before yeah. my time too but yeah and in like sittler too and like it's it, it like there's there's it's like it's my dad's toronto maple Leafs. So that's probably the easiest way for me to say it right uh, let's pivot to a little more Leafs talk here with uh, some prospect chatter. Nick, you read about uh, prospects for the Leafs Nation. You do a prospect roundup uh, regularly, and the Leafs Nation is rolling out a prospect ranking right now. It is uh, the heart of the offseason, even though it feels like we should be in ranks. Um, what's the uh, progress report there right now, Nick? You're a few days into this uh, prospect ranking, right? Yeah, well, myself and uh, some of the other writers over at the Leafs nation um we we teamed up and we voted on all the prospects in the leaf system to come up with a consensus top 20 and um, myself along with some of the, the other writers will be putting out um individual articles uh, counting down the top 20 prospects in the leafs organization uh over the the next few weeks here uh we just started the we've counted down from 22 well by the time people are hearing this we'll have been down to uh, the 17th rank prospect um we had a couple of guys who just barely didn't make it uh on the outside looking in as honorable mentions um starting with number 20 uh our managing editor, John Steitzer at the Leafs Nation, he put out an article on uh, William Villeneuve a few days ago. Uh, the Leafs just took him in the fourth round this year. He's currently playing for Keith's St. John Sea Dogs. Yeah. Um, he, he got off to a bit of a slow start this year. He had a huge year last year. He led all Q defensemen in points last year. Um, it, it, the points didn't come as early and often for him at the beginning of this season, but he's uh, he started to find his name on the score sheet a little more often as of late. Uh, he's He said as much himself that he's uh, been more focused on shoring up the defensive side of his game this year, which I think would be welcome, uh, welcome news to Leafs management's ears, um, considering what I've seen from Villeneuve last year. Uh, but there is a lot of tools there. He's He's got lots of offensive talent. If he can straighten out some of the skating mechanics and become a more reliable defensive player, learn to pick his spots a little better, there's potential there. But uh, he's ranked number 20 for a reason. Uh, moving on from there, we uh, had Earl Schwartz. He put out an article on Pontius Holmberg as our 19th-ranked prospect and Christians Rubens as our 18th. And like I said, by the time you hear this, Earl will have his third article out on um, 17th-ranked Philip Crawl, who the Leafs drafted out of the WHL a couple of seasons ago. Right on. And uh, you you voted on these as well. So, um, you know, of the lot that's been put out there so far, who are you most excited about? Uh, out of the guys that uh, we've already released articles, on in the last few days um the one of those group that i would be most excited about would be pontus holmberg i just think he's one of those tommy bergman late round swedish picks who kind of a slow burn but he's uh he's become a really important part of uh, vaxo in uh, the shl this season he's missed a couple of games uh, recently with an injury but one of the other guys I wanted to talk about, uh, someone who ended up as an honorable mention on our list, I, I had him inside of my top 20, was uh, the, our fifth round pick from this year. The Leafs actually traded up to uh, get him in the fifth round. Dmitry Avchinikov, who was recently recalled to the KHL, he's been absolutely dominating the MHL over in Russia, which is uh, 
their under 20 league over there. I think he had 22 points in 14 games uh, before being recalled to the KHL. It's only been a couple of games since he was called back up and uh, his ice time has been almost non-existent. There's uh, there's no real happy medium for Avchinikov where um, the program that he's a part of is one of the, the few KHL teams that does not have an affiliate in the VHL, which is usually the middle ground between the KHL and MHL. So it, it's been difficult for them to find a, a happy medium between him being too good for the MHL and not seeing the ice at all in the KHL. I think this is just a, this is another step in, in his development process where he's going to have to bide his time and continue working hard with the KHL team. And I think his opportunity is going to come. There's a ton of offensive talent with this kid. He, he He's got all kinds of skill, great puck skills. He can pass. He's got great vision. He can shoot the puck. He, he's really a dual offensive threat, but he's, he is very small and he, he's got to learn to play against more mature players and shore up the, the off puck part of his game. And the KHL is a good place for him to do that. If he can earn a, a more consistent role there. And Nick, a question for you, like you've been watching a lot of KHL and junior and other Euro leagues and stuff. It, is there other is there a prospect that either you weren't very big or weren't weren't as big on and that you, that you've kind of changed your mind on or or even just somebody that has really you know maybe you were you were on but you have gotten even more excited about uh, since since kind of the end of the end of the playoffs? Uh, I think a player that fits that description for me would probably be Miko Kokonen, uh, Leafs third round pick from twenty eighteen. He's playing on a very very poor. Ukrit team in Liga, uh, but he has been their their number one defenseman there. I, I think I might have mentioned on a previous episode he was also named a part of their uh, leadership group at the beginning of the season. Just nineteen years old, uh, named an alternate captain. The other three guys on the team that received letters were all uh, twenty nine years old or or more. Um, he's been playing consistent top pair minutes like i said on a very poor team but his the on ice uh, shot shares and possession numbers it, he's euchred is almost breaking even when he's on the ice and when he's not on the ice they're only generating around 33 to 35% of the shot attempts so they're a very bad team. They still aren't very good when Kokonen's playing, but they are much better. And he's a guy that you, you really have to watch a lot of him to to appreciate the finer details in his game. He He's probably not going to be a guy that ever generates a whole pile of offense, but he can move the puck pretty well, efficiently at least. And the, the details in his defensive game and his maturity – for a 19-year-old defenseman is something that's really impressive. I think he's got all the makings of a, a number five to six defenseman in the NHL someday who you can really trust to, to, to lock it down when he's out there and, and really not concede much to the opposition. So obviously not a whole lot of Leafs news right now. Uh, what do we say to another mailbag next week? We had fun with that, right? Yeah. That yeah was, we, actually, we actually had people ask ask us questions, which I, which was... <laughs> some really good ones, too. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll fire it up there, and, and you can send those in. Uh, tweet us at LamentingLeafs, and uh, no one emailed. Email is a dead <laughs> 
medium. <laughs> yeah. uh, but <laughs> lamenting the leafs at gmail.com if you so choose. Um, a few other uh, NHL-wide stories that we wanted to get to, including this one, uh, which is really cool earlier this week, as uh, the Florida Panthers hired the first, or who is believed to be the first. It seems like uh, they're kind of back and forth. Um, I, I don't know where the confusion is, but some people are reporting it as, you know, th- this is believed to be the first uh, black assistant GM in the league with the hiring of Brett Peterson earlier this week, which is pretty cool. And uh, I don't know if you guys got a chance to kind of dig into uh, this story at all, but um, he's got a pretty interesting background. Um, he, he was an agent, uh, you know, which I kind of read when I, I first kind of uh, um, saw the news. You know, he had a background as a player in the minor leagues, went on to uh, into the player agent ranks. What I didn't realize right away was that he actually um, was represented by Bill Zito uh, for, I think, the last year of his minor uh, league career and then went on to get into the the agent ranks through that connection and obviously they've stayed in touch and now uh, he's assisting Zito in uh, Florida so pretty cool to to see there yeah it's awesome and this comes you know not not long after um, you know we we see the first female GM in in Major League Baseball too with Kim Ng so it's pretty good day for 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 news like this and and we've talked about you know the culture around the game needing to change and, and representation and mattering and things like that and you know even in the you, I, I haven't been logged in very much lately on the internet, but even in the, the little bit of time that I have been, I've seen multiple, you know, black hockey fans tweet about the importance of this and, and, and kind of what this means and, and how they kind of never thought they would see something like this. So, you know, he's got a, a great background and, and there's all kinds of information about him having an active role in, in programs around Florida to help the game become more inclusive. So, great hire and i you know hopefully the the first of of many uh that we that we see coming down the pipe yeah and you hope that um you know more will follow in a hurry right because you know you mentioned kim ing and obviously um you know she is um you know has been talked about a lot where she's been in the game for so long and is just now finally getting this opportunity and you look at her resume and she's so overqualified and oh it's my hard God. to she should have been a gm the, 10 years ago yeah it's hard to come to the conclusion you know that uh, you know she she wouldn't have had this role earlier if not for the fact that she, she is a woman right yeah. and and you know you look at the nhl uh, um, you know, as as much as, you know, this is a great thing, the NHL does lag behind some of these other leagues in that sense because, you know, as we say, Kim Ng has been in the MLB for so long. Um, you know, we're just now getting the first uh, black assistant GM in, in the NHL. Um, I, I don't know if you guys saw this earlier this week. Um, I know you don't follow basketball quite as much, but um, New Orleans Pelicans hired Teresa Weatherspoon, who is a WNBA legend, as a... Uh, uh, an assistant coach, and I believe she was the eighth woman to be an assistant coach in the NBA. And it's just a matter of time until Becky Hammond gets a, a head coaching gig in the NBA. So uh, you I know, really thought this was going to be her off season. I thought she was going to get it this time. Yeah, you know, it's 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 coming, and it just it's interesting how um, you know once you get on uh, this path, it starts opening doors for people who can help your organization, right? And and that's what we need to see more of. Uh, in the NHL. And, and, and that's one thing I really think is great about uh, the Kyle Dubas regime with the Leafs. Uh, he he understands and he's said as much in the past that different voices 
make you a better organization. You need to have diverse voices, people who have different experiences in life, who have come up through the ranks in different ways and just see things differently. It, the more perspectives you can have in an organization to come up or to come to these decisions on your roster and whatever transactions you're going to make can only be helpful. Yeah. And, you know, um, I just mentioned Teresa Weatherspoon. Um, you know, it's no coincidence, right, that there is this influx of uh, women coaching in the NBA where they've had the, this partner league in the WNBA for so many years. And you see that this, the success that that league has had now. And obviously that's where the uh, uh, the women's hockey um, you know program wants to get, uh, whether that's with the NWHL or, or whatever may follow, um, where, you know, it's an NHL supported league and there's more uh, partnership and, and those relationships can kind of be, be more created. Right? Yeah, you get exactly. a, a pipeline naturally that, that's going to happen over time. Just off topic for a second. Uh, do you guys remember hearing the story of, uh, I think Noel Needham was just hired as a general manager in the USHL, I believe. But prior to that, she was a, an amateur scout with the Leafs. I, I think I recall the story of her hiring going something along the lines of, it was a blind Dubis test, wasn't his, it? Yeah, if they were blind scouting reports submitted so that Dubis and whoever else he had helping him hire these scouts, they, they had no idea of the the gender or the race or the age or anything like that of, of these applicants. And they they chose their the position or the people for that position or those positions, sorry, based on the quality of their scouting reports and Noel Needham, sure enough, ended up as one of the the best options and earned herself a scouting job with the Leafs that has now led to a general manager job in, I believe, the USHL. So it's small steps, but this change can happen more rapidly once the floodgates kind of open a little bit here, like you've seen with the WNBA connection to the NBA and all those female coaches. It's fucking, it's absurd that you know, these types of hires weren't done a bit more blind. Like the, the fact that that's news that they just treated the quality of the work as, as the way to make the, like it shouldn't be that way. And it should, should kind of always <laughs> have been done that way. But you know, so I don't want to, it's just removing your, your biases, biases yeah. from the game and, and even ones that you might not be aware um, yeah, of. Yeah. The unconscious. Eliminating stuff, yeah. All, yeah. You're eliminating all the subconscious bias that you might have. And you're, you're dialing in on, the people that are best for the job based on the work you're asking them to do. And without question. And, and of course, when that's done go figure, it's not all white men that get hired. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> Hire the best people. Uh, congrats to Brett Peterson. Um, and wanted to quickly touch on this. There's been some reports this week about uh, how this league is going to proceed once uh, it does proceed, whenever that may be. Um, they're still saying January. We'll see about that. But uh, it, it's looking like a 60 game season, perhaps. Um, Nick, your thoughts on uh, that uh, particular bit of news? Yeah. So I think it was Andy Strickland who had tweeted um, that his sources are telling him that the NHL's latest proposal was for a 60-game season that will take place over the course of four to four and a half months. I think given all of the obstacles that are still in the way, if the league can pull off uh, a 60-game season, I think anything above 48 is a huge win. If they can pull off 60 games, I think that's a, a massive win that all hockey fans should be very happy about. 
Um, we, we know that the league, as well as some of the uh, television rights holders, NBC, I think, has the uh, the Summer Olympics coming up that begins in mid to late July. So they definitely want to have the NHL playoffs wrapped up prior to that. And I think if they shoot for a 60-game season and they're able to get it off the ground in January, uh, I think that's well within reason to have the the playoffs completed and a Stanley Cup handed out uh, before the middle of July. And then we're also getting a little bit closer to maybe getting the hockey calendar back to where it was prior. Yeah, to that this. was always my question going into this was like, how are they going to get it back on the track? Like, how, how long are we? How long are I we? I thought it was going to take. Yeah, a number until of we're years. we're looking at an and, October and start. Could. Like, yeah, you're right. It still could. This could leak, and this could this could not go as planned. But I thought we'd be two or three years at least until we had October as the start date for hockey. But purely from an entertainment standpoint, the 60 games, uh, the the Canadian division, you know, the fact that the schedule is going to be a bit more condensed, you're going to have, you know, more Leafs games more frequently. And especially if you start to like, kind of do the baseball model of playing the same team, maybe three or four times in a row, or even two or three times in a row regularly, there's just going to be more animosity. There's going to be more storylines. Like I think it's shaping up to be a very entertaining year. We remember the 48 game season. That was a fun year. The games meant more. Everything was just, it was like getting all 82 games worth of entertainment crammed into 48. Like it's, it's going, it's going to be fun to watch. The shorter the season is, there's more chance for randomness as well. So one of these teams that we're looking at and thinking that they might not be a factor next season like uh, someone else had mentioned this. I forget who it was, but think back to the beginning of last season and Buffalo got off to just this super hot start. And in a shorter season, they don't have as much room to free fall after that. So uh, even a a poor team that gets off to a, a really hot start in a shortened season of whether it be 48 or 55 or 60 games, whatever it is, there is less room to to fall off after a hot and start. And the flip side, so a really good team getting off to a cold start. Like there's not enough, there's not as much time yeah, to catch it, up. You, you could be buried ten games into the season if you start to say two and eight or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Good luck. You're basically toast. So the to your point, there will definitely be a sense of urgency and maybe more of a like a playoff atmosphere with a, a condensed schedule and like you said if they do go to maybe more home and home series things p- perhaps not actually home and home more just like back-to-back games against the same opponent uh I, yeah i'm excited about it i think like you said from an entertainment standpoint uh, it's shaping up if this goes through uh, to, to be a really entertaining season. And the best news, fellas, no October Freddy. <laughs> no October Freddy. I'm still worried about January, February, March, April, May, June, <laughs> July, Freddy. Um, no, I'm, I'm most excited to get back on the regular schedule because I am dragging ass Monday to Friday right now. Uh, you know, football is good oh, on Seasonal Sundays. depression is a real thing and no hockey at, at, to help. <laughs> yeah. Not good bad stuff yeah especially well the other thing too is like coming if getting off of work normally for me i work in an office world nine to five type thing and like that you know i get in my car at quarter after five and it's basically dark out and i don't have a hockey game to go home and watch like it's it sucks like that's usually the one redeeming thing about these like shitty november 
nights. Yeah, it's uh, it's not ideal, but at least we will get hockey uh, because it wasn't all good news this week. Uh, the uh, ECHL made an announcement that uh, a good chunk of the league will not play in 2020-21, uh, including the entire North Division, which includes both Canadian entries, uh, Brampton and uh, our Newfoundland Growlers. So, uh, fellas, we we kind of uh, you know plan to try to talk about the growlers quite a lot on this podcast. This might be it for a little bit. We're going to need a new segment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they they've announced that uh, they are opting out. Um, you know, there were other at least one other team that had done this previously, but now the, an entire division is doing so. Um, they do have a, a policy in place. All the players become free agents immediately. Um, it's it's a mess right now obviously you know you got a feel for those players too the the scramble that's going to happen for contracts yeah we're, we're all interested in how the nhl and the big leagues are going to play out but um it is so touch and go in these lower level leagues and uh, yeah i mean missing out on a whole year of of operations uh, it's tough for for the the growlers especially because uh their deal with the leafs expires at the end of uh may i believe and and, uh, you know, they're going to get to that point and they'll only have played a season and a half of hockey um, and they won the only championship they could have won in that time. Right. Like what a weird existence uh, it's, it'll have been so far by, by the time May rolls around. The, the one good thing is that the Leafs do seem quite invested in continuing this relationship and uh, and continuing to build up the, uh, the professional hockey program in Newfoundland. So, so they do have that working for them, but for these teams, it's it's very it's almost crippling to have to miss a season, and, and for these players as well, th- these guys don't make a whole lot of money down at that level, and th- they're facing a lot of uncertainty right now, especially some of like the the more fringe guys in that league. Uh, there's going to be places for the, for the top end players at that level. Uh, they'll find jobs, but in turn some other players will get squeezed out who had jobs last year too. So it's, it's not a good situation at all. And hopefully the, the league as well as the, uh, the Newfoundland growlers can weather it for a year and come back strong next season. Yeah. Um, there were some interesting comments from Lawrence Gilman on the growlers, uh, press release on their website, just concerning the future of the club. So, um, you know, it seems like there's uh, some arena and some ownership issues that are, they're looking to get, to get sorted out for the better. And hopefully, um, you know, the growlers will be sticking around, but uh, there might be a little, little bit of news to follow there, um, over the next few months, but it uh, looks like there'll be no hockey to talk about, which is unfortunate because yeah, we, we were really excited. You know, probably not to go and see them or anything uh, this year with everything going on, but uh, to at least be able to, to talk about them a bit more. Um, so that's that's disappointing news. But uh, there is another league that is gearing up to play, at least at this point, uh, the NWHL, which we've been talking about a little bit. And there was an interesting piece uh, on the Victory Press, which is a great um, publication, a, a website that that covers women's sports and uh, uh, they've done a great job of, of covering the NWHL. They had uh, a really interesting in-depth piece back in the spring kind of about the conditions of the NWHL in its first few seasons and um, you know obviously they're, they're looking to continue to improve things in that league and uh, uh, basically just kind of a, a good recap of you know what, what all the teams are up to right now as they prepare and uh, you know quite a bit of stuff on, on the COVID regulations that they're all dealing with and then um, you know basically just an extended training 
training camp right now for those players. Um, so, I mean, I think that the goal right now still is to, to drop the puck in January for the NWHL. And with all this practice time, I mean, it sounds like we should get a pretty good product. They should be pretty polished, I would hope. Yeah. So I've been seeing that a lot of these women are already in the respective cities of the teams they play for. They've been on the ice for a while uh, trying to get out there and stay in shape and prepare for the upcoming season as best they can, despite the uncertainty surrounding it. I'm really looking forward to, uh, of course, the Toronto Six in their debut season. That's what I'll be following most closely. And I just really hope that they are able to get their season off the ground and and have a successful one. The Six are probably in kind of the same boat as as the Raptors, right? Like being the only Canadian team in an All American league. Yeah, that's still a big issue. For, yeah, for, where they for like where I know that I I've, the last I read was that they didn't they didn't necessarily have a a place worked out yet with what they were going to do border wise. Has yeah, that been it, solidified yet? I mean, I, no, I think that's still up in the air. There's also a lot, a lot of uh, Canadian women who play for the American teams. Uh, some of them have yet to try and cross right, the border yeah. to go join their teammates. Uh, they've been kind of working out on their own, I think. Um, yeah, still a lot up in the air, but just to hear that they are still shooting for a January puck drop is encouraging. Yeah, and we'll we'll know soon, right? Because whatever they decide for the Raptors, <laughs> whatever they decide for the Raptors, who are starting in December, um, it, it's going to be in place for you know the Jays and the Six and, and whoever else needs to get uh, American clubs in to, to compete against. Yeah, right? not so, soon, man. Like um, the like the NBA training camps are like two weeks, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I would think that they'd have to be going early December. Hey, and if the NHL wants to drop the puck on New Year's Day as they continue to to claim, NHL training camps are going to get going soon, too. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on that, especially for the Six. You know, they're a brand new team. Uh, it's quite a challenge to try to work around in your inaugural season. Um, before we wrap up, Nick, um, we, we kind of touched on this briefly in last week's episode. We, we uh, did a little update, and of course, you were tweeting about it all the last week or so. Uh, Anthony McDonald is a young man from Cape Breton, from uh, our hometown, I guess, Nick, kind of. Uh, we're both kind of from uh, outside of Port Hawkesbury, um, but, you know, that's that's kind of the town, and, uh, you know, we, we claim that. So, um, obviously, it's a, it's a small town, and uh, something like this happens, and it's... Uh, uh, you know, it has a tough effect on on the whole community. And um, Anthony was injured when he was struck in the head by a puck at a hockey practice last week. And um, you know, Nick, you you were talking lots about it. Um, it, it was a pretty tough situation, especially in those those early hours. But um, we have some some great news to pass along, right? Yeah, uh, really unbelievable news, actually, uh, considering where things were about uh, a week and a half ago. Um, Anthony is, by, by the time you're hearing this uh, podcast, Anthony will be on his way home or, uh, or he will be back home by then. Um, it's just been a remarkable turnaround from, from where he was, like you said, in the, in the first few hours after the incident. Um, we'll put it this way. Uh, I don't think anyone expected him to, to be heading home just a, a week and a half later. Um, it was a p- pretty scary situation for a while there. Um, pretty touch and go. Uh, and y- you mentioned how it kind of t- touches uh, the whole town when something like this happens in a small place. But I, I would also say it kind of touches the whole hockey community. And w- we've seen people in the hockey community reach out and support 
others before in times of need like this. And um, the, the way that people came together to show their support for Anthony and his family during this time w- was just mind blowing. And I have no doubt that, um, that some of these messages and, and things like that, that Anthony and his family have received have definitely been uh, motivating factors that have lifted all their spirits and helped Anthony to push through this. I, I know um, I, I spoke to his dad a couple of days ago and uh, he said that one of the doctors that's been caring for Anthony during his time uh, at the IWK said that he was embarrassed for how much he underestimated the the kid's strength and uh, determination to get through this. So it's it's just been... I think there's a lot of relief um, from the the people that know him, all of his loved ones right now, his teammates, his classmates, and uh, yeah, it's it's just it's incredible that he's going to be heading home and that the doctors uh, see him as being fit enough to to continue his rehabilitation uh, in his hometown. Uh, it's it's just remarkable. I don't think anyone close to him expected this kind of turnaround so quickly yeah i mean obviously the the out the, the like when you you had that tweet that went up and it just seemed to kind of kept keep going and snowballing and snowballing and i think what what was their original goal for their their kind of gofundme was like five thousand dollars right and i mean yeah i think originally that that's what they were shooting for and then after after this got some traction with the with some you get the bobby bump the, you get the bobby mac bump yeah, yeah. i got the, the the, the Bobby Mack bump really uh, made it take off. There was there was a few quite substantial donations to the to the GoFundMe campaign. Uh, the least of which was not uh, Vladimir Tarasenko of the St. Louis Blues. Incredible. He, we, we've talked about it a little bit uh, amongst ourselves about how great all this money that was raised is for the family because a lot of people, until you're in a situation like this, you, you don't really think about the expenses and the the costs that that come along with with a thing like this in such a, an emotionally trying time besides uh, like the, his parents are going to be missing time from work caring for him and and dealing with you know all of his rehabilitation and things like that there, there's just a lot to it that you don't really necessarily think of until right. until you have to um, and to see all the money that was raised and stuff for his family was obviously great, but the video messages from people like David Amber and, um, Sidney Crosby, and I believe Patty Kane sent something his way as well, among others. Yeah, uh, I think I, I, I thought that the David Amber stuff was pretty cool, man. Like he was the, I think probably one of the first guys to reach out to you and, 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 and I mean, a lot of people did, but just the you know, I've seen that, like you showed the message that he sent you and stuff. Like you could just see how genuine he was with it. And then for him to come back and circle back, like what, like a week later to just say, Hey, I've heard that, you know, Anthony's doing better. And you know, like just, he could have been one genuinely one and done. He could have been one and done. And we still would be saying how great that was, but for him to, to take the time to come yeah. back, man, like that's, that's, and that's not to take anything away from from the other no, no, people. No, 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 because uh, but it, it just really goes to show how genuine uh, David Amber was, and how much he actually did care about this kid that he's never met in his life, and for the fact that, like you said, he circled back a, a week later just to to check in and, and once again send his his best wishes to Anthony and his family. Just 
it's things like that. The, the money is great and incredibly helpful for the family, but gestures like the one that David Amber made um, and like a donation like uh, Vladdy Tarasenko made, those things will live in Anthony's mind and his the memory of his family forever. That's just that's really uplifting stuff, even more so than than all the. the the funds that were raised for him. Yeah, it was uh, it was an incredible um, outpouring and. I mean, it was cool as, you know, to, to watch um, as this kind of filtered out into the hockey community and I'm watching the GoFundMe and, you know, being from this community, seeing all these names of people who I've known all my life, people, you know, lawyers, teachers, uh, people from around town donating and then mixed in with those are people from hockey Twitter, people who like might be listening <laughs> to this podcast right now, which was so awesome to see. And then like Cassie Campbell yeah. Pascal, Vladimir Tarasenko just sprinkled in donations with all these names and it was uh, yeah it was a little jarring but uh, what it's an really incredible heartwarming to see though yeah what what an awesome um, showing and uh, hats off to you again Nick for kind of making getting yeah, the, man, great the wheels work. turning on this right uh, the last thing I want is, is any kind of credit or recognition for that I, I made a couple I of know you don't and, that's and why to... we love you yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, well I'm just really happy that, that so many people did respond and reach out to, to show their support for Anthony and his family. And the best news out of all of this is that Anthony does look like he's going to make a, a, a mostly full recovery, if not a full recovery. And the fact that he's heading home where he can be in the comfort of his loved ones, uh, it's, I'm just really happy to hear that. Yeah. News. And like he said, the money's great, man. Like that goes a long way, but he, he's got these videos for the rest of his life, you know, like that's, yeah, you man. can't put a price. On Absolutely. That. Yeah. We're, we're just glad to hear that uh, he's doing better and uh, we send him all the best. And um, thank you to everyone again, who, who kind of uh, reached out. And, yeah. Thank and- you. Seriously. Thank you so much to everyone. I like, I, I've spoken with, with Anthony's father a couple of times. I've spoken with his mother once. Um, they have been overwhelmed and just incredibly appreciative of everything that, uh, each and every one of you has has done to uh, show your support for them in this incredibly difficult time. Um, every, every no contribution, however small or large, went unappreciated. So thank you again to everybody. Seriously, and uh, we wanted to finish off with a tune from uh, someone from that uh, small town of ours, and the tune is called "Too Small a Town." Uh, figured it was fitting. Uh, again, you know, everyone's so affected by uh, what what happened there last week, and uh, it's from a big Leafs fan, Nick uh, Steve McIntyre. Yeah, my pal Steve, a huge Leafs fan. Uh, really excited to be featuring his music on the show. Uh, he's a great guy, great musician, and yeah, check him out. And get those mailbag questions in. Tweet us at Lamenting Leafs. And uh, here's Steve McIntyre, Too Small a Town. Thanks for listening. Nothing like a winter's day To ruin the hope of an early spring Thought the wind might take my breath away Not the news that the day would bring Turn on my radio 
but I had to turn it down. It was just too big a story, too small a town. Though I wish I may, though I wish I might, put a candle in the window for a little ray of light, Nova Scotia cried herself to sleep tonight. Amazing grace is in the air today There's confusion on the ground Too many bells are ringing out It's a low and mournful sound and Every flag in every little town Flying at half mast. We're left searching for the answers to questions no one's asked. Though I wish I may, though I wish I might. candle in the window for a little ray of light Nova Scotia cried herself to sleep tonight now the sky is lighting up in red and gold Heaven's angels come to carry them home Though I wish I may Though I wish I might Put a candle in the window For a little ray of light Nova Scotia Cried herself to sleep tonight Nova Scotia Cried herself to sleep tonight